Hi, welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. This week, Madhu and I discuss the U.S. reopening to vaccinated travelers from around the world, Brazil's recovery and goals earnings, and the death of the Eastern, I mean American, air shuttle. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, Madhu, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Ned. How are you? Doing well. We've got some some great fall weather here in uh, in Washington D.C. and looking forward to to chatting about all of the news there is to print, to print in the airline world today. Well, so am I. But you know what else I'm looking forward to, Ned? I'm looking forward to the Skift Aviation Forum, which is coming up next week, November seventeenth. Registration is free for Airline Weekly subscribers, so that's yet another good reason to subscribe and um, check us out at live.skift.com for information on registering. We got a good lineup, don't we, Ned? We do. I mean, top of mind for for us and for pretty much anyone in in the airline industry is the uh, U.S. reopening to vaccinated travelers that occurred on Monday. They they dropped uh, some rules that were barring visitors from 33 countries around the world, including much of Europe, and planes were full. People flocked to the states. It's it was a it was a busy day, Madhu. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we both reported. I mean, when the announcement was made a couple of months ago. Uh, Virgin Atlantic said something about it had like a 400% increase in bookings or interest or searches. I mean, there weren't, weren't real bookings, but there were at least searches in for, um, for travel to the U S for sure. It was, it was triple digits at some carriers, you know, a lot of, of people visiting family and friends that they hadn't seen in, in two years, but also it was interestingly, uh, I, I loved the anecdotal numbers of Places like Miami saw triple-digit jumps in bookings. <laughs> Clearly, some pent-up demand for for holidays in the U.S. So it was yeah. it was impressive. And it's important to note that it it was kind of a porous ban. I mean, there wasn't it wasn't that Europeans could not come to visit um, come to visit the U.S. at all. There were there were definite loopholes in that that ban. So I mean, planes weren't completely empty during the period from March or April of 2020 to November 8th, 2021. But uh, no, and I, I can attest to that, Madhu, having gone to Europe myself, it was definitely not an empty plane to and from Zurich. Uh, you know, it was it was relatively full. And I, you know, many people seem like they were Americans, but it, not everyone. It didn't seem like 100% Americans on board. So, you know, flights were still going up. But you bring up a, a very good point is, you know, there was a lot of media attention given to this, especially in Europe. I think the biggest thing was British Airways and Virgin Atlantic had a, a dual simultaneous departure <laughs> from Heathrow on Monday morning. And it, it struck me how there's so much you know, sort of celebration in, in Europe, whereas here in the U.S. there was some, but it was kind of just another news story right. in a lot of places. And you know, I really you know, one of the things I think that might part of that is, is the point of sale in Europe is a lot higher for European carriers than it is for U.S. airlines. So you know, they're the ones who who probably were hurting the most by the ban. You know, the whole industry was, but were hurting the most versus the the U.S. airlines who were able to to capture the capture U.S. travelers that were going abroad. That's exactly right. I mean, through you went to Zurich as you mentioned over the summer. Lots of Americans have been traveling to Europe since the Euro- European a lot of European Union countries relaxed their own ban bans and restrictions. But the point of sale originating in Europe was was negligible compared to what it used to be so it is um it, it was really much a much bigger news story in europe than it was here and you know i it 
I think it was a much bigger news story in Europe than it was in the rest of the world because let's not forget it wasn't just the transatlantic market that opened. It was it was um, you know thirty three countries around the world that the U.S. dropped its its restrictions. Brazil for. is another Brazil, one yeah. that that comes to mind, and you know I I saw very little uh, you know fanfare. Not there was coverage, but very little fanfare in Brazil for for the restart. It it really is well, interesting. <laughs> it's it's interesting you mentioned Brazil, and well I know we're going to talk about goal in a minute, but goal is really not operating U.S. flights now, and ha- and this announcement hasn't really changed that. So, Well, was Goal really operating U.S. flights that well, much before the pandemic? It had a few, right? So, um, yeah, those two are... daily via Punta Cana, was it? I don't think it was Punta Cana, but I think it was somewhere else. I can't remember where exactly. <laughs> Some, if you know where Goal okay. was, was okay. stopping, making its tech stop on its flights to the U.S., email us at er at skiff.com and mu at skiff.com. <laughs> Because we're we're blanking, <laughs> but yeah. but you're right. I mean, yeah, Brazil was it's 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 yeah. <laughs> one one place, and this is really not germane to to our discussion necessarily, but it is something that is you know important. Um, just travel wide is the 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 masses of cars waiting on the Mexican side of the U.S. Mexico land border was something to behold. I mean that we it's we we we're just talking about the airline industry, but this is this is people traveling to um to uh the US from all sorts of places. Oh, absolutely. You know, it was it was a big day and I, I did love all the uh you know images of families reunited and everything. It was touching to see that. You know, it's uh it's but it sets up some a good recovery going forward for U.S. carriers, you know, we, we've talked on this before, but, you know, for one, IAG uh, last week was saying they're planning to be on what, what was it fully back to 2019 levels by next summer? Yes. On the transatlantic. I mean, we've got United saying they're going to be larger than they were in 2019. Uh, lots of other airlines. I mean, yeah, carriers are really betting on on this international resurgence in the markets that are reopening for 2022. Yeah. And as you know, um, Aircap, the le- the giant leasing company's CEO, Angus Kelly, said today on um, on their third quarter earnings call, this is the single most important long haul market in the world, the transatlantic. Right. It's the, the most valuable and lucrative trans um, uh, long inter- market. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Intercontinental market. Um, and he is hopeful. Now, he said he didn't have any evidence to back it up, but he's hopeful that if this goes well, it'll encourage other similar markets, particularly in Asia, which remains closed for the most part, to to take steps towards reopening. So, uh, it it's not just an important market, but it could be an important sign of things to come. For sure, yeah. I really wonder if we're going to see some other markets following suit. There's already talk uh, among carries about you know Japan, South Korea starting to look at reopening. Finnair just announced a resumption of their full Japan schedule for wow. summer 2022. And so if Japan's reopening, that's a huge step for Asia. Of course, China is the big question mark. Yeah. They've made no signs that they're ready to drop their border restrictions. But you're starting to see some easing going on in Asia, which would say, mean, I mean, 2022 will still be a down year. But we could we could see for Trans-Pacific travel what we're seeing in Transatlantic and, uh, you know, by the end of 22. Maybe, maybe, I should say. Although China, I mean, it's it's important to point out it tra- travel to and from China has been restricted severely, um, but it is emerging as one of the most important domestic markets. And Chinese citizens who couldn't take 
vacations to Paris, for example, are traveling within within um, China. Now, actually, Angus Kelly had another really interesting stat, Ned, and he said that Europe, China, and the U.S. combined have 50% more flights each day than the rest of the world put together. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so those three, if you count Europe as one market, those three markets have, and they're about, actually, they're all, well, I was going to say similar in population. China and Europe are, but uh, the U.S. is about a third of the size. I thought Europe was about 400, uh, uh, 400 million, the U.S. 300 million, and of course China, what, 1.2 billion? Or am I underestimating Europe by a you're, lot? I think you're under, <laughs> underestimating Europe by a bit. Um, okay. But okay. <laughs> it, it depends on how you count Europe. I mean, are we counting just the members of the European Union or are we counting like all of Europe, including European Russia? That's a very good point. That is a very good point. Yes. Well, with the, with the reopening happening, uh, and we touched on this briefly, you know, the, the other market that started to report in our seemingly never-ending uh, litany of earnings is uh, the South American carriers. Madhu, you got a chance to listen to Goal. How, how did they do in the third quarter? Oh, they're so bullish. They're so bullish, Ned. Um, first of all, uh, CEO Paulo Kakanoff um, was very proud and, and mentioned several times of Brazil's high vaccination rate. Uh, it is third or fourth in the world in terms of first doses for citizens, and there's very little vaccine hesitancy. And that has allowed Brazil to turn the corner from from earlier this year when it was really hit hard by the Delta variant. Um, so Brazil, you know, the uptake in vaccines is great. And as the population gets more vaccinated, he said flights are becoming fuller and fuller and fuller. So, he, th- you know, and Brazil is entering its peak season now, the summer season. Um, so he thinks that goal could be almost fully back to what it was in terms of capacity by the first quarter of next year. So things are looking no, good no, for goal. Tell me about this, because I was looking at Gold's numbers and it looked like they were still down. Maybe a, was it a quarter over yeah. 2019 in the third quarter? So they're, they're think they they anticipate to recover a quarter of their capacity in just the next three, four months. Yeah. And they're they're pulling, you know, one thing to remember is they are adding more aircraft. So they will have more capacity simply by virtue of having a bigger fleet. Um, and to that point, they're they've accelerated the transition to the max. So um with a letter of intent with Boeing for 28 more dash eights to come. Is that the letter of intent we, we talked about in August or is it a, in addition? Yeah. So it's been firmed up. I should say it's not a letter of intent. They intend to start taking the aircraft next year, um, 28 additional aircraft. So their, their fleet will get a lot bigger over the next year. They're pulling aircraft out of retirement. They will be get rid of some NGs, but um, the, yeah, I mean, he's he's very confident that they will be where they were back in um, 2019. And the other interesting thing, Ned, is Kakanoff was pretty um, excited about business travel in Brazil. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he said, um, he said, you know, Gold during the pandemic changed its network to offer more connecting flights between North and South, the North and South of Brazil, mainly to cater to leisure travelers, but they are in the process of changing their network back to more point-to-point flights for business travelers. Um, and he said, you know, this, a lot of this growth is coming from the oil and gas industry, agribusiness, and um, and they, they've resumed traveling. Those industries have resumed traveling and are fueling goals optimism. 
Yeah, the irony there uh, that, that I see is, of course, yeah, fuel prices are rising. And in Brazil, they have some of the highest fuel prices in the, in the world because of taxes and stuff. But at the same time, oil and gas benefit, the oil and gas industry benefits from rising oil prices. And that's good for gold. So it's uh, it sounds like a double edged sword, you know, higher prices, but yet more more travel from the industry. I don't know which one, you know, <laughs> is more impactful, but it sounds like more revenues is, is better overall. So that, that's going to be good for gold. Yeah. And we have Azul reports, of course, uh, the podcast is out later this week. So, you know, Azul will report between our recording on Wednesday and when this drops, but I, ma- I imagine they're expected to have a, a good quarter as well. I think so. I mean, um, so the Brazilian market has been very resilient, uh, especially domestically, um, and is only getting stronger. So I'm looking forward to hear hearing what they have to say tomorrow. For sure. And I should add that LATAM Airlines Group has also dropped their earnings. So because they're in bankruptcy, U.S. bankruptcy, they are not doing a call. And they also called out Brazil among their other domestic markets as, as their strongest points in the third quarter. Though uh, they didn't provide much guidance, so it's uh, though it seems the Brazilian market is resilient across its uh, three major carriers. So more on that as things develop. Hey, Madhu, welcome back. Hey there, Ned. Excellent. So we're going to switch gears to a, a somewhat uh, more fun topic, at least for us ab geeks out there, though I don't know if Madhu would count himself amongst us. No. You know, <laughs> Just flat uh, what, no. What, what, what do you call the 747, uh, Madhu? Why don't oh, you, I've gotten uh, in trouble for listener? saying this before, but I, you know, I don't understand the, the fan following this aircraft has sure it's a beautiful aircraft. It was very, pr- it was very technologically advanced when it came out, but why why all the tears for its retirement? It's a janky old bucket of bolts. There you have it. MU at skiff.com. <laughs> Please send him your comments, Zav Geeks. But we're not here to talk about the 747 today. American Airlines announced, uh, buried in a release and an internal company uh, newsletter, that they are ending Boston LaGuardia flights next year, which marks the end of the Eastern Air Shuttle that launched in 1961. So 60 years of airline history is going to come to an end by summer 2022. Now that that is that is I mean a, it's a little bit sad. I mean Ned we were both talking about this earlier and and you know the um Eastern marketed that where you, I mean it, it was basically like a bus, right? You could just walk up and um and get on a flight, and if they if that flight was full, they'd pull another aircraft in to to make that departure time. So it was um, it, it's a it, service that's going away <laughs> for sure. You know, and it's something that I'm I'm sad I never got to to fully experience. I've flown the shuttle, but only in its 21st century rendition, which of course required reservations. There was no walking up. And uh, by the time I was flying, airlines weren't about to pull U.S. Air and Delta. We're not about to pull a plane uh, <laughs> off the tarmac to to add another section, you know. But it, you know, it's it's a historic route, and and admittedly, the route has changed. We have Antrax Accela now offers fast. I wouldn't say high speed compared to our far European and definitely Asian listeners, not but, high speed, <laughs> but fast service, frequent service that you can walk up for between uh, New York and Boston. So it's um you know it's going to be satisfying, but it's also and wait wait I think it's nope. important to note here a little bit of cinematic history. Not many air routes 
inspire a movie. There is, in fact, a movie called Love in the, on the Eastern Shuttle. Long forgotten. You will not be able to find it streaming anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask, where can I stream this, Madhu? <laughs> well, I'm sure, Ned, you might find it somewhere. You'll find a way. And if you do, send me a link. But... Um, Yes, this long-forgotten movie was inspired by a an air route, and there are not many routes that we cover that have done the same that I can think of. That's for sure. Though I never knew you were a cinephile there, Madhu. <laughs> though I can think of a very good book that was based on a love story that started on the old London Paris shuttle in BA. Um, the Vomit Comet? I didn't know that's what you called it, Madhu. Uh, from London City, because the angle of attack is so um, is so steep, it's called the Vomit Comet. Well, I, I, I don't know about that. This is before the Eurostar. But we digress uh, in terms of, of popular culture, uh, loving uh, our air shuttles. But yes, so it's worth noting that there will no there there will still be service between Boston and LaGuardia. Right. American in is going to to give the route over to JetBlue, which they have their new Northeast Alliance, which is essentially a joint venture to operate it fully next year. Now, in the internal uh, newsletter that that we were able to take a look at, they didn't say why they were doing this though. I mean, on an obvious level, JetBlue's costs are a lot lower than Americans. Uh, Chasm X in the third quarter was about 2 cents lower at JetBlue than it was at American. So you've got is that that's on a high level, but um, it's uh, so there will be flights, but we don't know what the schedule is going to look like come summer 2022 right now. And I mean, as 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 we know, the the I was going to call it the Eastern Air Shuttle. The uh, the shuttle is mainly a business um, business route and that kind of frequency needs to be sustained by frequent business travel. And that's just not around right now. So it probably, you know, it makes a lot of sense at least to pause it temporarily. I was a little surprised to hear they're, they're exiting it altogether. But um, as you pointed, as you said earlier in this podcast, Ned, I mean, there's a lot of competition now. There's the Acela. There's, sure. you know, there's other ways to get to Boston. Absolutely. I mean, there's even the the new seaplane service by Tailwind that goes from uh, from the 34 from one of the one of the uh, dock uh, docks in Manhattan straight to the harbor in Boston. Hmm. But, you know, so it's interesting to talk about schedules. I was looking at it and, you know, American and JetBlue today are operating uh, about 16 up to 16 daily flights between LaGuardia and Boston, uh, but in Delta about the same. And, you know, it it's worth noting that they're both down. Uh, American and JetBlue's combined schedule is about down about 20% compared to 2019, and Delta's is down uh, about 30%. So you have to say the the business travel is probably the biggest uh, reason those schedules are both down at this point. Though American is bullish. They expect business travel to be back in full by the end of 2022, which their president, Robert Isom, uh, reiterated today, or Wednesday, at a conference. So you have to wonder what the frequency is going to look like next summer. I mean, American offered up to 16, 17 daily flights in 2019. Is hmm. JetBlue going to match that? Are they going to do 20? Because it, regulators are watching. If, right. if they go from, you know, JetBlue had six to seven, American, you know, that's 20 plus flights. If, if they go down to 16 JetBlue flights, that's still a big reduction. No, you're right. Um, so I'm very curious. I mean, is it... Is there a reason to fly every half hour on the route? I don't know. It, but it's not as busy as Melbourne, Sydney, and Australia, which does have half-hourly service. Uh, so Or did. Did, did. Though I'm almost sure it will come back because unlike New York, Boston, uh, Sydney, Melbourne does not have a 
fast train connection. So <laughs> another stat from Angus Kelly. I mean, that route went down to eight flights a day during the worst of the pandemic and is expected to go up to 35 flights a day by the end of the year. But that's still short of the 57 odd flights a day it was before the pandemic. So yeah. it's, still, you know, it's yeah, it's coming back, but not as not as fast as expected. Right. But I mean, do you think if if they come out with the summer 22 schedule and there's, say, 18 JetBlue flights a day, I mean, do you think the DOJ could latch onto that and be like, you're you're cutting four eight flights here? I mean, because their whole argument is that the the alliance is uh, is anti-competitive because it allows the airlines to, to essentially merge it was the DOJ's allegations. Well, I'm not an antitrust lawyer, nor do I play one on TV or even on podcasts. But um, I mean, a strong argument can be made that this was a business route. And um, the business traffic essentially dried up, and it was, you know, they the the route did not would not sustain the the frequencies that both carriers provi- um, provided before the pandemic. So I think I think there's probably, like I said, not a lawyer, but there there's probably an argument that can be made for sure. And American and JetBlue have both added a, a lot of other new flights. So, you know, I, off top of my head. JetBlue going to Kansas City and uh, Milwaukee and San Antonio from Boston. So it's not like schedules are going to be down overall. We're just looking at one route that just happens to be a, a prominent route, like you said, with you know pop culture uh, appeal. But um, uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting shift. And it, it's just another sign of things that are changing out of the pandemic. Uh, well, you know. love on the American shuttle just does not have the same ring as love on the Eastern shuttle, does it? I mean, maybe... Maybe they should have thought about the branding. Thought about like, thought there were other avenues for for to explore here. Hey, maybe the JetBlue shuttle is next. For all we know, <laughs> love on the JetBlue shuttle. I like it. It's got a ring to it. Someone pitch it to a studio. <laughs> on that note, Madu. <laughs> on that note, Madu, I want to say thanks for here. You know, I know it's your job, but always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Well, thanks for forcing me to be on the podcast, Ned, and uh, it was great to talk to you, and I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. Of course, Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.